The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. If you've ever felt bad when someone's told you to just be happy, then this episode is for you because we're going to explore the limits of positive thinking with our guest, psychotherapist Whitney Goodman. Whitney is the author of a new book called Toxic Positivity, Keeping It Real in a World Obsessed with Being Happy. And the book is described as a powerful guide to owning our emotions, especially the difficult ones. Whitney, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tell us more about what you mean by toxic positivity. Toxic positivity is the unrelenting pressure to be happy all the time or to be seeking out positivity and happiness no matter what the circumstances. And you say that it's that positivity in and of itself isn't toxic, but it can become become toxic. So at what point does that happen? Yeah, absolutely. So positivity is not toxic. It becomes toxic when we use it to dismiss people, um, to tell them that what they're feeling isn't true or is wrong, to deny our reality or someone else's, or just to shame people into feeling like they're not doing enough or that their difficult emotions are invalid. And a lot of that depends on you know, what is the topic we're talking about? Who is our audience? Who's receiving this? And also what is the timing of that delivery? What brought you to the point of saying, hey, I need to write a book about this. This is, this is something we need to be looking at in society. So I got on Instagram as a therapist just to promote my practice like four years ago. And what I noticed was there was all these posts floating around that were making me feel really terrible. And I think I hadn't interacted with them because they just weren't showing up in my space until I got on there with my professional account. And I was thinking, gosh, my clients must feel so terrible when they see this stuff. And I started just saving it, kind of cataloging it and noticing when it would come up in conversations with my own clients, my family, friends. And after a while, it's just like, wow, this is everywhere. And everyone seems to be so bothered by it, but we're not doing anything about it. What did you find were some of those cliched phrases that we hear so often and really are the worst for us? Is it just like, be happy? What is it? (laughs) Yeah. Some of the worst offenders to me are time heals all wounds. Everything happens for a reason. Um, Just be grateful. It's not X or like your attitude is everything. Those I find to be particularly harmful, especially when people are really struggling. Well, tell us more about that. What what is wrong with saying time heals all wounds or or you some know, truth you'll to be that, okay? Right? Well, there is some truth to it, yeah. So I think there's truth to it for sure in situations that are not that bad. But when we're talking about things like grief, um, infertility, uh, 
you know, a lot of these issues that are really loaded and I identify 11 of them in the book, time doesn't always heal that wound. It might make it easier for the person to carry. It might make them not remember it as much, but typically if they go back and think about it, it's still quite painful or difficult. I think when we say this to people who have maybe like lost a child, um, who have gone through something horrific, been a victim of some type of traumatic event, it can be really dismissive. Yeah. And then it makes that person feel all the more isolated. So what exactly should we tell someone who would be in one of those two situations you just mentioned, having gone through something traumatic or even lost a child? Yeah. So I think the best thing we can do is try to step out of like, what can I say? What's going to be like the Hallmark card thing to say and start thinking about what might this person need from me? How can I be helpful to them? So that involves listening, trying to seek understanding, which can come through just questions of like, what's the hardest part? What's it been like for you? Um, you know, what have you been struggling with? And then trying to have empathy and compassion for the person's situation and really wait to give advice or suggestions until we've been asked for that. And a lot of times we won't be asked for that. We'll just need to sit and be there. How do we use toxic positivity against ourselves? This is a big one that I see a lot. So often people feel like they shouldn't be feeling how they're feeling. And that word should causes us to engage in some of this toxic positivity of like, I should be over this by now. I should be happy. I should be grateful. Um, I don't, I don't need to be complaining about this. And when we're feeling something distressing and we say these things to ourselves, it creates this discrepancy between like, how I feel and what I think I need to be feeling. And usually shame sets in from there and it feels really terrible. I wanted to thank you for giving me permission to feel like it was okay to be scrolling through social media and kind of lying and doing nothing while well, I've, I have COVID. So, I mean, in fairness, like, <laughs> but at, this, at the same time, I felt like, God, I should be doing something else. I'm sure, you know, I could get myself to do a little work. I should be doing this. And then I read that and I thought, okay, it's, it's actually fine. Why do you think that's okay for somebody to, to do, to just spend their time on Insta- Instagram from time to time to have a little bit of a stress release, even if they're not so, recovering from COVID. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that like, oh, when you're recovering from COVID, I should be doing all these other things. And my first thought is like, no, you should probably just be like recovering and resting and like doing what <laughs> That's your what my mom needs. keeps saying. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. We, but we get all these messages from the outside, right. About like how we should be feeling, what we should be doing. And sometimes it's important just to ask yourself, uh, like, why do I need to be doing this? Who is telling me that? Um, Who might be benefiting from me believing that that's true? And is it really me that's benefiting? Like, is this true? I love how you say that the phrase don't cry is another one that we should Mm. pay attention to Mm -hmm. if we're tempted to tell someone who's crying, don't cry. Just because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for us maybe to see them cry. We want to figure just stop. It's making me uncomfortable. No, but what, what should we keep in mind with that phrase? So crying is uncomfortable to sit with because I think a lot of us want to jump in to fixing it. And instead, we have to reframe it as like, this is a normal reaction. Someone is feeling their feelings. They're working through it. How can I just sit here and like make it safe for them to cry? And of course, there are places where crying is not appropriate or beneficial. But if you're with someone and they're crying and it's totally okay, like 
it's okay to just like sit there and be a comforting presence to them and not tell them to stop doing something that is totally appropriate, probably in the situation. And if we're the ones who are going through a tough time, like a breakup, I know that one of the worst things you can do is to tell yourself, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. Cause then you always do cry. It's like, you're putting so much focus on not crying that that somehow you end up crying and you go in really strong and like, yeah, I'm going to come off tough. And then you end up being just a a basket of tears. We thank you for being part of our Nobody Told Me family of listeners. You know, we always try to tell you about things that will help improve your life. And our sponsor, ZocDoc, is one of those things. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. They treat almost every condition under the sun. You know, it's frustrating to go to a doctor's appointment expecting to be able to fully explain your symptoms, condition, and worries only to find that the doctor wants to hurry you out of their office. Instead of listening to you intently, the doctor is checking the clock. But on ZocDoc, you'll find quality doctors who focus on you, listen to you, and prioritize your care. I've used ZocDoc several times to find doctors, and I have never been disappointed. I love how ZocDoc lets you check a doctor's availability and book an appointment as soon as the same day if there's an opening. Thousands of doctors and medical professionals on ZocDoc are there to help you. ZocDoc helps you find the ones that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience you want. When you're not feeling your best and just trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up your energy. And that's where ZocDoc comes in. Using their free app that millions of users rely on, you can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule. Book an appointment with a few taps in their app and start feeling better faster with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com NTM and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z. D-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash N-T-M. ZocDoc dot com slash N-T-M. If you have a symptom that you'd really like to get checked out, don't put it off anymore. Just go to ZocDoc dot com slash N-T-M and download the ZocDoc app for free. So what do we do in those situations when we do want to come off, off strong to our friends, not, not in a situation where we're trying to comfort our friend, but where they maybe need to comfort us. Yeah. I find that people, when they give themselves permission, like I'm allowed to show my emotions in places that are safe and conducive to that. We actually don't have as many of these moments where we like just burst into tears because we're not trying to put the lid on it. We know that it's okay for us to allow ourselves like to have things come up if you're like me, I'm somebody that kind of struggles with like crying in front of people or letting people see that it can sometimes help to preempt it with the person by being like, I've been having a really hard time and I might cry. So just like, let me do it. If I get into that place or don't say anything or tell them how they can make it a little bit safer of an environment for you. I I also love how you say we should really be be careful when we use the phrase, life will never give you more than you can handle. I so totally agree with that because I think sometimes life does really take you to the the very edge. And um, tell us more about what's the, the bad thing about that. Yeah, I really hate this one too. And I think that it makes people feel like they have to be 
so strong and so composed whenever anything comes their way. And they're not allowed to show people like, hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm having a hard time. It also implies that like certain people are chosen for certain things. And I find that that can be particularly difficult for people who have been victims of really significant events because it's hard to wrap your head around like why did this happen to me and why am I supposed to be the one that has to learn how to handle this and we maybe need to identify that in a friend who's overcompensating by always being in a good mood and it kind of seems inappropriate when he's in a good mood or wants to grab another drink why does that feeling come out in that way It's just, I think there's just so much pressure to like perform a certain way that we just don't want other people to see us as weak or as hurting or whatever it is. And and when you have a friend like that, I think some of the most powerful things you can do is be like, it's okay to talk about how you're feeling. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to like really show me what's going on. Like, I'm not going to judge you. And sometimes they still might be like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. But I think the more you open that door, the easier it gets for people. What should we be aware of in terms of toxic positivity and physical appearance of, of other people? Mm, yeah. Yeah. This is such a tricky one. Cause I think with the body positivity movement, there was a lot of good intentions and people were like, okay, we're going to go from hating ourselves to loving ourselves. And unfortunately the, the media and stuff is still constantly trying to find ways that we can not like ourselves or make ourselves better. So I find that it's best to try to keep compliments like away from weight loss or away from things that are maybe like um, things that people want to change about themselves. When you say things like, oh my gosh, you look so good. You've lost weight. It can really reaffirm for that person. Like, okay, I need to keep losing weight. That makes people think that I'm pretty or I'm attractive. And I know when I was pregnant recently, I got a lot of this and it was like very uncomfortable because you notice people are assessing you physically all the time. So did you try to get in front of it and, you know, try and make it so that they would almost be comfortable with the situation, just address it immediately? I would do a lot of like, especially with people who were maybe a lot older, who didn't really realize what they were doing. I would make jokes about it or something and be like, oh yeah, you know, like that's what happens when you're pregnant and you get big, like try to do things like that. But with other people in my life, like maybe my mom, I, I have specifically said like, you know, I really would appreciate if we don't talk about physical appearance or something, it makes me uncomfortable and everybody can pick how that feels for them and what boundary might need to be set. I have always heard as a parent of teenage girls, I always heard the message that you don't want to comment at all on someone's physical appearance, that 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 really is a taboo, even with with, you know, a parent and a child. You don't want to say, hey, you know, your your face is really breaking out or you're skinny as a as a stick or, you know, something like that, even if you're concerned about those things. Yeah, it, it, it could definitely create this dynamic where if someone points that out to you, you're like, oh, wow, people are looking at that. They're noticing that. And I think especially for young girls, they're walking around the world realizing like what um, draws attention to them, whether it's negative or positive about their physical appearance. And it just makes you much more attentive and aware of that, which can really create some anxiety, especially for a young person. I've heard too, it's really interesting with all the the filters and everything that kids put on their pictures. 
I've not just not kids. Just kids. <laughs> okay, fine. As I said that, I just looked at her and I was like, kids. <laughs> okay, but you know when it goes really extreme and somebody somebody just does not look like themselves, or is a human. it is it okay for the parent to then say to the kid, hey, you know what? You know, you don't really look like that. You may want to take off the filter. Like, is that an okay thing? I mean, I think we have to start having these conversations with kids now about like, hey, filters can be fun and funny, but like, if you feel like you have to use a filter to be loved or accepted or anything like that, that's not good. You know, there's of course filters make you look like a cat. Like that's probably not that harmful, but a lot of these ones that take away, like, (laughs) you know, all the features on your face and make you look so different. And I know I've I've met people in person that I followed online for a long time. And when you meet them, you're like, oh my gosh, you look so different if you lose <laughs> a lot of filter or use exactly. a lot of filters. And, we have right. and I think, I think maybe like for somebody's kid, for somebody who's a parent, don't you think that there's a part of you that would want to say, hey, you know what? It might be better to just look like you so that when people see you, they expect that because they might get bullied more if they're saying, hey, you look like you're using well, a filter yeah, online. You yeah. don't look like that. Right, in real life. right. For sure. And just instilling them like you don't need to use those to cover up yourself. You know, people want to know what you look like in real life. The Internet isn't real life. And we want them, you know, to be reflective of each other sometimes. Is that an agreement or a disagreement? <laughs> uh, not sure. Very sorry about that. <laughs> no, no problem. You know, I, something. I have always heard that the one thing we all need is hope and positivity offers hope. So, so what's wrong with that? So I think there's a really big difference between positivity, uh, toxic positivity, I should say, and optimism or hope. You can be optimistic and hopeful without engaging in toxic positivity. And what that means is really just allowing people to move through their emotions naturally and arrive at their own conclusions where they can hold space for both what is not so great and the neutral and what could be. So like during the pandemic, I could say like, gosh, this really has sucked lately. And I've also enjoyed more time at home with my family where toxic positivity will just teach you to only focus on the good and completely ignore everything else. Is it wrong then when someone says, how are you to say good? If I mean, if, if, if we don't really know that person that well. So if it's someone that you don't know very well, I think it's totally fine to just kind of move on and say fine and keep it going. There are of course people in our life that I think we're going to want to be able to be honest with and tell them how we're feeling. And that also depends on the situation. You know, there's sometimes where I don't feel like going into my emotions or it's not a safe space to do that. And it's okay to set that boundary and not be like totally honest with every single person. And what's wrong with saying you have so much to be grateful for? So gratitude is, is great, but I think when we use it as a response to someone who is struggling, we're really telling them, like, I know you're upset about this thing and you're complaining, but you actually don't have a right to be because you have so much good going on in your life. And the reality is that we can be both grateful and feeling something difficult or distressing at the same time, but it's not effective to try to use gratitude to squash that feeling or cover it up. So when we do want to complain, 
we're in luck because you have a whole chapter written on how to complain effectively. So how do we do that? Yes. So I think it's most effective when the complainer uses facts and logic, knows their ideal outcome and understands who has the ability to make that happen. So it's really important that our complaining is like well-targeted and that we don't always complain to the same person all the time. That can make it very draining. Tell us more about toxic positivity in the workplace and how we can avoid it. So in the workplace, it's really important that we make room for legitimate complaints and it, and really open up the conversation for people to be able to create change in their work environment. I think a lot of the time people are encouraged to just keep a positive attitude at work and not make any waves. But I like to point out that there's a really big difference between someone who's just like complaining about coffee or whatever, and someone who's really talking about legitimate issues in the office. You write about how it would be a bad thing. It would really severely impact our relationships if we were to write all negativity out of our lives. Why is that? So negativity is really powerful. I think we learn a lot about the things that we complain about. It's like just full of information. So if you were to cut out all negativity in your life, you wouldn't know what's bothering you, what relationships might need to change, um, what in the world might need to change. We also can't engage in creativity or problem solving unless we attend to what is negative. Don't you think in some ways, I mean, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but that in some ways we want people to help us see the positive in a situation when we're feeling down or lost. So I actually think a lot of us really know where we want to get to and we have tools in front of us. My experience as a therapist is that most people actually just want to feel heard, understood, and empathized with, and like the other person has compassion. And through that, they're usually able to get to a more positive understanding. I know that when I tell my clients like, well, you talked about this last week and you have this going on, all these things to be grateful for. They're kind of like, wait, what? Like I'm, I'm talking about something here. I'm trying to feel something. And when I allow them to move through that process, they usually end up there on their own. And it's much more powerful than me telling them what to feel or what is the bright side in their situation. I'm guessing that a lot of times the people come to the conclusion that maybe somebody has had an impact on them that has that has been negative and they need to approach that topic with the friend and, and move past it. How can they have that conversation? Yeah. So that's one of the great ways about attending to negativity is we can see these conversations that we need to have. I think if there's anybody in your life that um, you need to set a boundary with or discuss something with, it's always good to like come up with a plan of exactly what's bothering you, what boundary needs to be set, and also what the other person can do to repair the relationship if you feel like that's something that needs to happen. Who did you write the book for? I really wrote this for anyone that has felt like they can't be themselves or show their full emotions. I I think about all the people that have been pretending for so long or trying to show up a certain way. And I hope that they feel really liberated by this. 
On page 274, you write that your life is a process of acceptance and growth rather than a race to perfection. And I know that change must not have happened over overnight. So what was the catalyst? You know, I think becoming a therapist, I just realized that so many people are going through like just hard stuff every single day and that we're all such a work in progress and everything is so dynamic that once I realized it's just like about like accepting living in the moment and going from there, things got a lot easier for me and there, there is no perfect. So what is your best advice if we're faced with a situation today where a friend or a family member is facing a serious illness or a romantic breakup or something that really has shaken their world? What's the first step we need to take into consideration and and what should we do? The first thing I would do is really try to seek understanding about where that person is at. What is this like for them? You know, don't give advice or Uh, try to offer them help without knowing what's difficult for them, because often we can make assumptions about that. And then from there, trying to think about how can I show compassion just by saying things like, that sounds really hard, that must be difficult for you, etc. And then trying to think about like, what does this person think would be helpful for them? And sometimes that means directly asking them and they might say, I don't know. And from there, I think just acts of service, like cooking a meal, checking in, um, showing up for them can all be so much more powerful than any of these like toxic positivity phrases. You're obviously very involved in social media and have a great positive account, but I'm curious to know what your thoughts are in general on the impact of social media on kids and adults as well. People my age as well. And my mom's. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really think social media is a tool and the way that we use it is how it impacts our life. So I noticed like a huge change in my own life when I stopped following like all these influencers that were talking about their bodies and kind of just made me feel bad that I know that when you're able to like curate a space that is good for you, it can feel good to be on social media. Now with kids, that can be even more stressful because kids are, you know, really like ripe for manipulation on social media. And there's a lot of people selling them different products and things like that, that I feel like social media isn't going anywhere. So we need to teach our children and and ourselves how to use it in a positive way. Jen, our show is called Nobody Told Me. And we always ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson? So what is it that nobody told you about life or positivity or toxic positivity that you had to learn the hard way and that you'd really like to pass on to others so that they don't have to go through the same struggles? So I, my most recent one, I think, because I just had a baby, is that nobody told me honestly what being pregnant was like. And now I've made it my mission to uh, talk about that honestly with yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. And how beneficial. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And how can people connect with you on social media and the internet? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at sitwithwit, and my website is sitwithwit.com. All right. Well, Whitney, we thank you so very much for joining us. This has really been very helpful, I think, for, for us and for hopefully our listeners as well. Thank you so much for having me. Again, our thanks to Whitney Goodman, whose new book is called 
Toxic Positivity, Keeping It Real in a World Obsessed with Being Happy. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> 